um, to the book of Hebrews once again. Hallelujah. We've been talking about the blood of Jesus, and, and uh, I'm going to talk some more about, about the blood today. Uh, how many have been enjoying that? Yeah. All seven of you, all right. Well, how many have been enjoying that? Yeah. All right, praise the Lord. A few more there. Hallelujah. But uh, uh, today we're going to talk about the blood covenant. And uh, it's been a lot of years, actually, since I've really just taken the time to go through that and minister directly on that subject. And so we're going to do some of that today, and hopefully we can uh, do it justice, praise God. And so, uh, again, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, please. And uh, we have been, you know, working through, uh, through this a little bit last few weeks here. And Hebrews 13, and why is my iPad giving me fits here today? Knock it off. There you go. There you go. All right. Praise God. Verse 20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, praise God, that great shepherd. Everybody say great shepherd. That word great there, the Greek word there is mega. Mega. The mega shepherd. Hallelujah. The great shepherd of the sheep through the blood. So we know it's through his blood so we're talking about. So through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. Make you complete. So through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete. Now, the word complete, again, means to perfect or complete thoroughly. It means to prepare, repair, or restore. Praise God. The Amplified in verse 21, do we have that one or not? Did we lose that or we got it? We were having a few issues on our deal back there earlier. So here it is. Uh, so through the blood of the everlasting covenant, strengthen, complete, or perfect, and make you what you ought to be, and equip you with everything good. I like that. With everything good that you may carry out His will. Amen. While He Himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ the Messiah, to whom be glory forever and ever to the ages, uh, uh, to the ages of the ages. Amen. Amen. So be it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Give me the uh, pa uh, Passion Translation, or at least that part of it anyway, that part of the verse there. Verse 21 says, See, through the blood again, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, may He work perfection into every part of you. Amen. Now, you might have some parts working pretty good. We hope so. We hope you got something at least going. So you got a few praise gods going on. Amen. So you might have some great things going on, but how many know we want it in every part of us? We want perfection worked into every part. Amen. Every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill His destiny, praise, or your destiny. Praise God. So, praise God. We've been talking about being complete, made complete. Praise God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians chapter 2. All right. You doing good? I kind of got with it today, didn't I? Just right after it, praise God. Hallelujah. So, Ephesians 2. Hallelujah. Now, if you remember last you know, couple weeks here, a few weeks here, uh, been talking, uh, you know, really what we're trying to do here through this uh, 
you know, through ministering about the blood and about being made complete through the blood, uh, talking about really getting into every one of us um, to where we're believing more in God's ability to move you forward than the enemy's ability to hold you back. Trying to get ourselves to the place where we're believing more in God's ability, praise God, to give than the enemy's ability to take. To try to get us to believe more in God's ability to make you complete than the enemy's ability to destroy you. And if we have a, you know, a greater revelation of the blood and the blood covenant, it should help with that, praise God. And you understand that it's, you know, it's not based on you. Hallelujah. If it was based on you or based on me, we'd all just be in trouble, period. But it's based on what Jesus did. Amen? And we need an understanding of that and a revelation of that, praise God. You're in right standing right now with God because of what Jesus did. You don't have to try to earn uh, your way. You don't have to try to somehow get God to love you more or somehow or another get God to accept you more. Come on, somebody. I mean, you're as, I mean he's as much in love with you that he's ever going to be. Just much, you know, you're just as much accepted as you're ever going to be. Come on, somebody. Because of what Jesus did. Now, we either need to believe that, uh, you know, or, or at least get a revelation of it, praise God. Because what happens is you start struggling, and then that's where the enemy comes in. You know how he is. He's a manipulator. He's an accuser. He comes in and tries to, you know, get you all caught up in stuff. The next thing you know, you're making a mistake. And the next thing you know, he's pointing his finger in your face saying you're just a failure. You're a flop. You can't do it. And you call yourself a Christian. That's how he works. That's part of the devices that the word says, don't be ignorant about how, how he operates. Don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices. They're just head games, head trips, come on, to try to pull you under. And the reason it works that way is because if he can pull you under mentally, then pretty soon you're not moving toward God. You know, the idea is, you know, Jesus made a way, amen, through the blood of Jesus, amen, through that everlasting covenant of peace that's been, the walls have been brought down, there's no more division, no more uh, walls that divide between you and God. Jesus made a way, but see, if we keep you under mentally because, you know, you've made mistakes and through shame and guilt and condemnation and those kind of things, what happens is you don't go to God, you're too busy running from God. You're too busy trying to avoid God. God is your answer. And the enemy knows that. So the only way to get you free from anything is to spend time with him or spend time in the presence of God. So anyway, anyway, we've been talking a lot about that all this uh, last few weeks here. And so uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 11. <clears throat> Are you there? Yeah. All right. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles... In the flesh. Now, the word Gentile just means he without God. Of course, he says, talking about in the flesh. He's talking about really, you know, there's, a, you know, at, at one time, you know, there's that, there's that div division there between the Jew and the Gentile, uh, between those, uh, the family of God, and those who don't know God. And at one time, you were part of that group that didn't know God. I said, at one time. Come on. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. In other words, those that have been circumcised, that's part of it. They referred to, you, referred to you as a Gentile or an uncircumcised Gentile. 
which is going to be key coming up here today. All right, so that's the way you were referred to as because the circumcision is a, is a sign of the covenant. Anyway, praise the Lord. So anyways, at one time you were referred to as a Gentile. You were referred to as the uncircumcised. Remember how uh, David, when he was facing the giant, you know, the giant was running his mouth, doing a lot of trash talking, and, and uh, finally, you know, he shut up for a second, and David took over and said, you foul, uncircumcised Philistine, you lying <laughs> devil. Right. Huh? He let it be known. You're not even part of the covenant. You're sitting here running your mouth thinking, you're going to take me out, chump? I'm going to drop you like a bad habit. Come at me with this and that, and you got your armament, man. I'll come at you in the name of the Lord. Believe me, it's all I need. Come on, somebody. And you notice the, you know, the Gentile, or pardon me, the, uh, the Philistine never said one more word after that. He was done talking. Sunk that thing right into his forehead, and he was done. Lights out. Come on, somebody. And so anyway, praise God. So uh, you at one time, you were referred to as the uncircumcised, as the Gentile. Well, you're no longer that, all right? So let's get verse, verse 12. That at that time, at the time when you were without God, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, the word aliens just means a non-participant. That's all it means. So at one time you were a non-participant from the commonwealth of Israel. It just means the citizenship of Israel. Um, uh, the freedom and the liberties that, that Israel have, you were, at that time you were a non-participant of what they were walking in and what they had. Okay? Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers, alienated or estranged, from the covenants of promise. Everybody say covenants. The covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now, there's another one of them now verses. Hey, now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, through that blood, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, hallelujah, is making you complete. Amen. Now, not only is it already a done deal as far as your citizenship in heaven, but that blood is still at work, amen, working in every part. Everybody say every part. Every part of your life. Why? So you could fulfill and walk out your complete destiny in God, amen, being who you're called to be, walking in it, praise God, fulfilling gifts and callings. Oh, somebody give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so uh, real quick, the covenants. Uh, of promise here, the word covenant. Let's look at that. The word covenant means a testament. So that's why you don't like what you have here in front of you. Uh, it, you know, referred to as the Old Testament, the New Testament, or the Old Covenant, New Covenant. Okay, uh, keep that in mind. All right. So uh, covenant, a will. In fact, and sometimes the New Testament, a lot of times we'll say the will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus made out a will, and He was the only one to be raised from the dead to carry out His own will. Anyway, praise the Lord. Chew on that one. But will, contract, the word covenant means a contract. So right here in your hand is a contract. Everybody say contract. Okay, now this, 
It means a contract. It means writing or, or a writing containing agreements or promises made. So what you have here is contracts that contains, amen, in it promises and agreements that have been made. So you have promises, amen, the Word said, and all the promises of God, and by the way, there's a lot of them, all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. Are you still with me? Now, a promise, what's a promise? Okay, just in case we, you know, want to know, but a promise is defined as an expressed assurance on which expectation is to be based. In other words, something that has been expressed, a promise in God's Word, is something that God expressed, God spoke, amen, and it's what your expectation, your anticipation is supposed to be based on. Are you still with me? So He said something in here for you to expect. So you put your faith in this, and you expect what He promised. All He wants you to do is believe in it. Are you still with me? Okay, so a covenant. If you, uh, in fact, go to Genesis chapter 15, please. Genesis 15. We're going to talk a little bit about this man named Abraham today, too. Hallelujah. Genesis 15. Now, the word covenant also, if you look it up, uh, you know, especially in the Hebrew, um, it's going to say, uh, it's going to define covenant as a cut with which blood flows. A cutting with which blood flows. Um, it also uh, means, I love this, it means a compact or an agreement made by passing between pieces of flesh. thought, what? Well, if you were, you know, we're Westerners, so we have a tendency sometimes not understand that. But most, you know, the Jewish, you know, and others around that kind of culture, understand what that's referring to, and then know it's talking about a blood covenant. So covenant is a cut or a cutting with which blood flows or a compact or agreement made by passing between pieces of flesh. And we will show you that in just a second. Chapter 15, verse 1, please, of Genesis. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. Notice his name's Abram at the moment. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Now, there's this person that works for me, his kid, okay? So Abram said, uh, then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, this, this one here that had, had this, his kid while working for me, he's the only thing I, he's the closest thing I got to an heir. All right? So he's talking to God about this. And it said, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one, in other words, this one he's talking about, the one that's been born in your house is not the one. He's not the promised son. He's not the promised child. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. In other words, somebody's going to be a kid from your own loins. Now, uh, real quick, keep your finger there. Go back to chapter 12. Put verse 1, 2, and 3 up there, 1 anyway. It says, Now, and the Lord said to Abram, this is when he told him, Now get out of your country, from your family, 
from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is what God spoke to him uh, to, to get him Amen. To move forward, to go where he had to go. And of course, there's a little bit of story that happens after that. You know, he goes with Lot and his wife and everybody that works for him and all of his possessions and animals and the whole thing. And then they had a little issue with Lot. And then basically, Abraham had to bail out Lot. And the whole reason, because God told him, don't bring anybody else. And he brought Lot. That was his first mistake. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. All right. Back to chapter 15, verse 5 there. So. What's happening is Abraham, because of what God had already said to him, that's why he's asking him. You're saying you're going to make me a great nation. You're going to, you know, you're going to empower me and, and multiply me and increase me. And, and that's, but I don't have no kids. I still have no kids. I still go childless. Okay? So he has a valid question here to God. I don't think he's trying to be smart. I don't think he's trying to be, you know, uh, you know doubt uh, you know, or unbelief or anything. I just think it's a legitimate question because God already basically let it be known. You're going to have your own heir from your own loins. All right? So he's defining that right now. Again, verse 5, chapter 15. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. Now, the answer to that would probably be, you probably not. Now, I don't know, you know, we, you know, you grow up around communities and, and you look up in the sky and some nights, you know, you can see a little further than other nights. Am I right? You know, but you get out into an area where there are no city lights. It's amazing how the sky looks. Amen. And so, you know, he's, you know, he's not along any city lights or any that kind of stuff, so he's looking up and... I mean, he's not just seeing a few of these brighter stars. He's seeing, man, he's seeing, you know, millions of stars in the sky. And God says, why don't you just start counting? What's he doing? He's trying to give him a picture. He's trying to say, listen, man, I'm, when I told you I was going to make a nation out of you, I'm going to. Just start counting. See what you come up with. Well, he knew, you know, you ain't going to be able to count all this because about the time you got to about 100, you have to recount because you think, did I count that one already? Did I not? Right? The point is trying to make a point. And so he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Amen. Verse 6, please. And he believed in the Lord. And it accounted to him for righteousness because he believed God. Amen. Hallelujah. Things now are moving forward. And he said to him, uh, I am the Lord. This is what God said. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And I brought you from that place to this place. Why? To give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Now he's got another question. You're saying this is my land, but how shall I know that you're giving me this land? What, what do I need to go by? Now, um, put... Uh, there's a Romans 4, I'll give you a reference, put that reference up there. This in Romans 4 is talking about Abraham. And the word said that he got to a place where he was being fully convinced. This is Romans 4.21, being fully convinced that what 
uh, God had promised he was also able to perform. So now the point being made is back here in chapter 15 and verse 8, he went from how shall I know to being fully persuaded. Fully convinced. Oh, yeah, the New King James says. So how shall I know to being fully persuaded? Well, then verse 9 happens in chapter 15. Let's put verse 9 up there. Hallelujah. Verse 9. So he said to him, in other words, God said to Abram, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, obviously, you know, you're reading that thinking, that's kind of weird. What's he, you know, what's he going to do? Take a picture of a whole, you know, group of animals. This is, you know, family portrait, right, or something. You know, what's going on here? Well, Abraham knew exactly what was going on here. It says, and he brought all these to him, to God, and then it said, he cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other, and he did not cut the birds in two. So in other words, what happened is, Abraham knew exactly what he was talking about. He's talking about the blood covenant. So what he did is he took those animals and sliced them right down the center, laid them out opposite, end on end. There is blood everywhere. This ain't a sacrifice. This here's a covenant being made. And so we have these animals laid out. And Abraham is just waiting because he knows exactly what's going on here because he asks the question, how should I know? Well, God says, well, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You're going to know. You can trust what I, what I say. Amen. So he's got these animals all laid out. Again, there's blood everywhere. Look at your neighbor and say blood. blood. Amen. There's going to be blood everywhere. All right. Now, verse, uh, verse 11 says, and, and when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them out, which is pretty significant because this is how the enemy works all the time. Comes in all the time, try to knock you off your covenant. Come on, somebody, trying to steal what's rightfully yours. Come on now. And if you don't resist it, guess what? He just comes in, keeps taking what's yours. You're not aware of your covenant. He just keeps coming, keeps taking. So the vultures come down. So Abraham runs them off. And it says, now when the sun was going down, now it's not all the way down yet, but the sun's going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, Horror and great darkness fell upon him. In other words, something just changed in the atmosphere. And then he said, this is what God said to Abram, Know certainly, now he starts to prophesy to him, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and they will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. Talking about when they were uh, in captivity to Egypt. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Did that not happen? Yes, it did. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. Well, that's a good promise. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for in 
For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So in other words, he's given them all prophecy. And it came to pass when the sun went down. Now it's all the way down. And it was dark that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. And then saying, let me go ahead and give that verse to, just to read it. Uh, saying to him, uh, to your descendants, I have given this land uh, from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Amen. And then he goes on talking a little bit more. But the bottom line is, the word says this about God. It says that he is a fire from the loins up and fire from the loins down. So what just happened? God came down personally. That's why the atmosphere changed so much. Huh? All of a sudden, whoa, something just happened. God came down, began to tell him about what was ahead, and then turned and walked through the pieces. So God, amen, walked, did the blood walk himself through the pieces, the blood covenant. So Abraham went from how shall I know to fully persuaded. Why? Because God himself Just walk the blood walk. Now, the blood covenant. Um, A lot of um, um, things throughout Scripture, if you understand how covenants work and how they operate and and really the uh, requirements and the procedures of, of covenant, you see it threaded throughout the whole Scriptures, Old Covenant and New Covenant. And so today what I felt like I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of talk about really the, a normal blood covenant. When people enter into blood covenants, what that means, uh, the procedure of it, and you're going to see it you know, in Scripture, how that relates to you and me. Amen. God entered into covenant with man. Amen. Now, um, the first thing that happens in covenants, if... You know, when, uh, when you start thinking about blood covenants, it's really about strengths and weaknesses. It's about, um, it's about two parties, two families, two businesses, two communities, uh, two individuals. Amen. In this case, it's God and man uh, coming into a place of covenant. And so uh, there's, always, there's always a reason for covenant. There's purpose for covenant. We don't just do it sloppily and and have no point, no purpose. Now, we have to say these things because being Westerners, we have a tendency to not understand covenant. Because for the most part, we're covenant breakers. For the most part, we're truce breakers, the Scripture calls us. We get married, don't think nothing of it, and six weeks later, we're divorced. We enter into contracts and businesses, and we decide, you know, they might be in one room. They might have lawyers and attorneys writing out covenants in one room. And in the next room, at the same exact time, there are guys over here working for, looking for all the loopholes in the covenant. Are you still with me? And the idea is, amen, that most people don't have a clue about covenant. Are you still with me? All right, so... The first thing that happens with the two parties is there is a representative pick for each party. If it's just two individuals, of course, then they're the two that come together. They either they grab a representative or what we would call a mediator. 
So if it's two families, there's a mediator for each that represents each family, and they come together. This mediator and this mediator uh, represent their family, represent uh, their company or whatever, their community or whatever. In this case, it was God and man. Now, who is the mediator? Now, under the new covenant, of course, this here being uh, part of the old covenant, but under the new covenant, the covenant was between God and Jesus. That's why you can't mess it up. Pretty smart. Jesus ain't going to mess it up. And the Father ain't going to mess it up. Amen. And Jesus is your representation. Come on, He's your uh, mediator. Hebrews uh, 8 and 6 says uh, that He's the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. Amen. So, praise God. So, let's, uh, let's get back to this. So, you got two, uh, you got two representatives. you got two, um, uh, two mediators, uh, so to speak. Uh, Genesis, uh, put the Genesis 17.2 up. And the first one, of course, is dealing with Genesis uh, 17.2, please. Uh, and I will make my covenant between me and you and, and multiply you exceeding. So we know that in the first one here, he's dealing with Abraham and himself, uh, the Father and Abraham. The new covenant is, of course, with Jesus and the Father. Amen. Now, uh, what happens during uh, the two come together, and then when they do what they call cut the covenant? That's where it's going to start. There's going to be blood that's going to flow. Somewhere there's got to be blood that flows. Somewhere there's got to be a cut, and somewhere there's got to be blood that flows. Are you still with me? Okay, so that's the way it works for blood covenants, all right? Now, I want you to remember covenants. See, if you understand the blood covenants, you have an understanding, it makes it a little easier to understand what's yours. Because then you can go from, how shall I know, to fully persuaded. Are you with me? Amen. Now, I'm not asking anybody to come up here and cut their arm and make you bleed and Ain't doing any of that. That stuff's already been done. Come on, somebody. All right. But now, uh, let's give some understanding about the, the cutting of the covenant, okay? We just got done reading about the, pa- the halves that got split there in chapter 15, all right? Now, put the uh, Genesis 17, 11. I know she had it up there earlier. Let's put it up there again. And he said this to Abram. Now, you notice Abram didn't walk in through the blood? But Abram still had, you know... There still need to be blood that flows. And there's, there's some significance to that. And so here's how it happens. You shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh uh, of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So that's where it started. So circumcision, the Jewish uh, uh, race, the, uh, the Israelite, they had the circumcision, and all, why they circumcised was because of, it was a sign of the covenant. Blood was to flow. And how many know it does? I'll leave that alone. But anyway, praise the Lord. So they were circumcised. So that was the sign of the covenant. Amen. Uh, let's see. Let's, uh, where are we at here? On... Uh, on many occasions of blood covenants, uh, I'm just going to kind of come at it from this angle, um, they would 
you know, depending on the parties involved and what it was about, but many times it was a cut being on the hand or on the wrist or the arm, and they would, usually it was on the right arm, and they would raise it, and they would bind their arm. In fact, Rick, stand up if you would real quick. Let's just see if we can kind of do this. What they would do is they would, they would put a cut, an incision, or cut on the hand, blood's flowing, they would bind hands, usually they would bind the arm, and it's significant, but the idea is we're going to make, you know, covenant here, so my blood's mingling with your blood, which means now part of me is in you and part of you in me, that we're one, amen, and so with that then, they make declarations to each other, It starts off saying that we're going to stand with one another. We're for one another. We'll fight for you. You'll fight for us. What's ours is yours. What's yours is ours. That's the purpose of covenants. So a lot of times when there were, let's say, two tribes come together, maybe one tribe was, maybe they were mostly farmers. And the other tribe were mostly warriors. They'd say, well, you know, we got to eat. And the other one would say, we got to be protected. So what they would do then, they would come together and they would have a representative of each tribe come together. They'd come into covenant. And so you got your farmers out there producing all the food. You got the the warriors on the other side making sure they're protected, praise God, because it served purpose. All right. So they would bind their arms together. They would let the blood flow together. Amen. They would swear allegiance to one another during that time. And I wasn't going to do this to you, Rick, but, uh, but while they're bound, they're declaring the terms of the covenant. The assets, the liabilities, the pluses, the minuses, the blessing, and the curses. You fulfill, you keep doing your part, this is what you'll get. You don't do your part, this is what you get. And that's what they would do. They would sit here and declare over each other, amen, what it means, what the terms of this contract are. Are you still with me? Now, you, have, you also have the terms of the contract. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 talks about the blessings and the curse. Many times it's defined as uh, the blessing uh, of Abraham or the blessings of the old covenant. And so, uh, you know, you're blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the country. And about the first you know, 14 verses, it starts declaring where you're blessed and how you're blessed. And then verse 15, 16, going on, starts talking about all the yuck. And this will happen when you walk in the curse. Now, ain't nobody wants a curse. Amen. Now, uh, that's the blessings and the curse. Um, let's see here. I'll give you another one here. Uh, the promises. Okay, it gives you not only the blessings, but the terms and promises. There's a go. So promises. We, we already, I think, put Hebrews 8, 6 again up there real quick. Um, it says this, that now he obtained a more excellent, inasmuch as he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. Let's go ahead and put that up there because there are promises. All the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. So those promises you can count on. The Word also says, because of Jesus, you were redeemed from the curse. That doesn't mean it's not out there. 
But under your covenant terms, if you'll stand your ground in who you are as a child of God and what you have in Christ, you can walk free from the curse. But if you don't know who you are, the enemy sneaks in there and through manipulation and, you know, he kind of, you know, does this and a little of that, a little, uh, you know, conniving here and there. Pretty soon he's taking and he's stealing and he's, you know, and all the whole time you have a covenant. But if you don't know your covenant, then you're still in the question mark of how shall I know? The enemy said, well, if you don't know, <laughs> I'll just take this. Oh, you don't know that's yours? That's fine. I'll take that too. Oh, you don't know this is yours? No problem. I'll take that too. And you go along thinking somehow God is taking or stealing or, or you know, uh, whatever. And the whole time it's the enemy just ripping you off. Are you still with me? So they cut the covenant. The two come together. They cut the covenant. Amen. Another real quick thing. I thought maybe I'd throw and throw this part in. A lot of times in covenants, there's even a scar made. Uh, definitely is when it's come, when you're thinking about uh, circumcision. There's a scar made, and so uh, in most uh, your covenants. In fact, I don't know you. Um, you know you watch a good old western. You know. You know, Clint Eastwood. You know. Something like that, you know. I'm trying to think if I remember any John Wayne ones doing this. But I remember a, a, a Clint Eastwood or two that uh, they show them actually going into a covenant, becoming what they refer to as blood brothers, hello somebody, uh, with a tribe, you know. And what they would do is cut the hand. They'd bind the hand just like they would in a blood covenant. And they'd make their declarations to each other, the terms of this, of this covenant. Um, and then... Uh, a lot of times they would take, you know, ash or some kind of thing and they would, they would smear it into the wound. The point being is to make a scar because it's a sign of the covenant. And they would do that. Um, uh, Dr. Livingston and uh, Stanley, when they went through Africa, um, as they were, um, you know, going through and, and surveying and... and, and and doing all the things that they did through Africa, you know, the word said, or I mean, part of the, the, the history books tell us that they entered into some nearly 50 covenants with 50 different chieftains with their tribes just to make it through. They had to do covenants in order to, uh, you know, get through and not have, you know, get their lives taken. So they were entering into covenant, blood covenants with chieftains of tribes and literally said they had as many as 50 scars when he was done with it. I think it was Livingston. It might have, it might have been both of them, but, I've just, but I know one of them, and I thought it was Livingston was the one that ended up having nearly 50 scars from, uh, from these covenants that they went into. Amen. And so... Uh, so a lot of times there's, uh, you know, there were scars made. Now, the reason I thought it was worthy of mentioning, um, if you would put uh, uh, James 2 and 23 up on the board, please. It says, And the Scriptures were fulfilled, which, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, right? And he was called, what? The friend of God. Now, a lot of times, you know, we just kind of think, Aw, they were friends. Cool. They liked each other. You know, they got along. 
sang Kumbaya together and, you know, and, you know, finished each other's sentences. And, but it's actually a covenant term, the word friend. Uh, put Proverbs 27 and 6 on the board. It says, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, a lot of times we read that and we think that's referring to, you know, a friend is, is upfront and honest with you. And, I, and I'm not taking away from that. A good friend should be that way. But the word wounds is referring to the scars. Faithful are the wounds or the scars of a friend. It's not saying that you've given one another guy a scar, but it's talking about covenant. Faithful are uh, the covenant. Amen. The covenant. Amen. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Give me, uh, give me the next one. There's another couple in Proverbs here. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now we're starting to get somewhere. Okay, so talking about, you know, somebody in the household you grew up with is born for adversity, but a friend loves at all times. Okay, let's, let's, let's go a little bit, because sometimes you might still, still kind of see this as, you know, us Westerners where we start thinking about friends, you know, and, you know, we, you know, we ride together and joke together and, and stuff. Now it's, it's beyond that. Come on, give me the next one. Chapter, is it 18? Uh, verse 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Duh. But there, are, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, most people, who are we talking about there? I mean, most time everybody's saying, well, that's talking about Jesus. Well, I, I, okay, uh, yes, we are, because he is your covenant brother. Come on, somebody. But, uh, you know, your covenant friend. Uh, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Everybody say closer than a brother. Than a brother. Now, uh, remember the old term, uh, blood is thicker than water? And uh, it's a covenant term, but um, it's kind of over the years got pretty, uh, uh, pretty switched around. Uh, blood is thicker than water. Uh, so what would the blood, most people think when they say blood is thicker than water, they say, well, you know, family, family, yeah, family. Well, the blood isn't referring to family. What's the water? They say, well, well, it's just a saying. No, 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 the water represents something. The water is the water, the breaking of water before a, a, a baby comes through the womb. In fact, the term was originally stated, blood is thicker than milk. Referring to the household, brothers, amen, serve, I mean, brothers shared the same, uh, you know, nursed the same mom, amen, born through the same womb. So in other words, blood is thicker. In other words, Covenant brothers, covenant friend is more secure, more solid than even those you grew up in your own household. Covenant's pretty important. So over the years that got twisted around and, and everything, but that's, you know, that's how that how that works. So when you start reading about friends, you start you have a little bit different twist to it. You start understanding it's really covenant terms. Amen. Now, again, I want you to have friends, and it's always good to have that guy and friend and person that you can sing kumbaya with, and we're not taking that away from you. We're not saying you can't have friends and that. We're just saying that when you read through that, it brings on a whole new meaning. That's why, I mean, have you ever noticed? I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that noticed this, but I notice that my, 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 my church family is tighter with, I'm tighter with my church family than I am with any of my, you know, natural family. And I love my natural family. They're all good people. I love them all. 
but it's but my my church family it's a tighter bond. Are you still with me? Because we're come through the blood. Amen. All right, praise God. All right, you doing okay? Now, okay, so they come together, they cut the covenant, they declare uh, the terms and promises, the blessings and curses, they make the scar, okay, then comes the exchanging of names. There's a lot of exchanging goes on in covenants, blood covenants, exchanging of names. Um, You know, it's why, you know, you think about when you get married, uh, they take on a name, Uh, you know, sometimes families come together, um, they will, uh, I mean, a lot of names, you, you know, you Names like, like Williamsburg or something like that. Originally, where that came from was the Williams family came together with the Berg family, and they entered in covenant, and so it became then the Williamsburg, and then we go down history, we just think, well, that's just, you know, from that other culture, and that's the way they do names, and blah, 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 blah. We kind of lose sight of what it was, and really, they all came together through covenants. And still, even when you get married, it's about covenants. And depending on who the individual is, whether they take on, uh, you know, usually it's, you know, the female takes on the male name. Uh, it isn't always the case, but, but normally that's, that's the case. Sometimes it, uh, they, they add that name to their name, depending on who they are and, and what, you know, what, uh, you know, maybe due to the, their importance or what they're involved in or their influence or whatever it is. There's all kinds of reasons for it. But uh, the bottom line is it's about the exchange of names. Now, Genesis 17, verse 5. Are you still with me? Are you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? All right, now listen, if we, get a, if we can get a better understanding of all this, it starts making some sense when he starts, you know, telling you that you can have this or you can be this or you can do this. All of a sudden you say, wait a minute, yeah. Amen. God don't lie. Amen. So, uh, Genesis 17, verse 5 says this. It says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So uh, the name Abram, of course, prince of God, and, and the word Abraham means the father of a great multitude. But you notice what happened was Abram then took on a piece of God's name of Jehovah. Okay, And so he brought, takes on a part of God's name. All right, or is given a part of God's name, because actually that was what God gave him. And from there on, he's, God is referred to as the God of Abraham. Because it's all covenant. He's now the God of Abraham. Later on, Isaac, and then Jacob, and it follows on, amen, down the lineage, amen. So he's referred to as the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. Why is it referred that way? It's covenant. It's a covenant God. Amen. So, praise God, the exchange of names. Uh, Now, here's what happened. Uh, Here's how it fits you and me. Um, He took your name. Anybody accept Jesus? Okay, now when you accepted Jesus, He took your name. He took your name and decided to put it somewhere. Took your name. He put it in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then he said, hey, now, we're not done. Here's my name. You take my name. Now, anything and everything you ask in my name, that will I also do. So John 14, I might have gave you. I don't know what reference I gave you there, but I could have gave you a dozen of those. But uh, is it John 14, Kathy? Is that what it is, the next one? It is. Whatever you ask in what? My name. 
that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, verse 14. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we, we see under the new covenant, he took your name and he gave you his name. Now you start thinking about this. Okay, so I'm taking on his name. So every time I pray or every time I make declaration or every time I speak to the enemy in the name of Jesus, I'm literally taking his character, his power, his authority, and I'm using it right now, amen, as the power of attorney. Why? Because he gave me his name. Amen. It's all covenant. Okay, that bored you. Let's try another one. So a lot of exchanging. Okay, there's exchange of names. Uh, another thing that happened, there's exchange of, of like a coat or robe or rings. Um, in fact, we get married. Where do you think that came from? All about blood covenant. Okay. Uh, put uh, first Sam, We'll use this one as a reference. 1 Samuel 18. Uh, verse 3, this is talking about David and Jonathan went into a covenant, okay? And so Jonathan, of course, being Saul's son, and of course, the two of those guys, they, they, were, they were pretty close. And so Jonathan and David made a covenant uh, because he loved him as his own soul, verse 4, and Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, and he gave it to David. So a lot of times you read through this, you think, well, maybe David was cold. You know, he's... I'm so cold, Jonathan. Here, take my robe. No, it's about covenant. He, gave, he took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. There was an exchange. Okay? This is all covenant stuff going on here. All right, so think about this, okay? He took your filthy rags. I thought I'd... Get a little more umph out of that. He took your filthy rags and gave you the robe of righteousness. All covenant. Uh, how about this? Uh, put the Luke 15, 22 on the board. This is, remember, the prodigal son goes off, spends all of his inheritance. Come on, somebody. Comes back. The whole procedure, how it all happens. He's trying to think, how is he going to, you know, talk to his dad? He thought, you know, you know, maybe I'll just be a servant. So he had a whole plan. He's going to come back and say, listen, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Why did he say, I'm not worthy to be called your son? Because according to law, he wasn't. Because of what he did. You lost your sonship. That's not just some you know, poetic thing they're saying here. When the father says, you know, my son is now found. He's, he was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. Because he was dead. According to custom, according to the law, he was dead because of what he did. He goes off and goes into covenant with some pig farmer from another country. There, there is so much covenant through that and the breaking of covenant right there. So what happens? He comes back. The father sees him from afar off. Here comes. They're getting closer. They get closer. They get closer. And the son's saying, listen, Dad, I know, I know I'm not worthy to be called your son. If you would just you know, bring me in as your own hired servant or some kind of thing. Dad starts wrapping his arm around, starts kissing all over. Oh, kissy, 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 kissy. He's excited. Son's home. The boy smells like a pig, but it doesn't matter. 
And see, that's all a type and a shadow of how your heavenly Father views you. And so what did the Father say? Hey! He yells off to the servants, bring out the best robe. Oh, maybe he's talking about the, the robe over by the pool. You know, the sauna. You know, they all got robes hanging there. And, you know, go, go by the sauna and grab a, one of those bathrobes and get them covered up. The kid stinks and looks dirty. And No. The best robe. Why? Because it's covenant. Put on the best robe. Amen. Put it on him and put a ring. What ring? It's a signet ring. Put the sandals on his feet. In other words, man, covenant. He's letting it be known. In fact, the whole thing, when he's telling this whole thing, you know, there are people listening to him tell the whole story, talking about Jesus, telling the whole story. And they're all, they're all like, oh, my gosh. They're like flipping out like the kid should be killed. He should be he had his throat slit or something, man. Bury the kid. And, they're all, and he's saying, nope. The dad calls him in and says, put on the robe. They all know exactly what he's talking about. Put the ring on his finger. They go, <gasps> put the sandals on his feet. <gasps> that filthy sinner, that covenant-breaking kid needs to die. Oh, he was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Same with you and me. You were lost. You were dead. Now you're alive. and You've been found. Amen. Put on the robe. Put on the ring. Put on the sandals. Come on, somebody. Stop, stop acting like somebody trying to, you know, get accepted, trying to, you know, somehow, you know, get daddy to love me more. How about just receive it? So there's the exchange. Amen. Exchange of names, exchange of code or a robe or ring. Come on. That goes on. Uh, then uh, back to uh, uh, 1 Samuel again. Put that uh, verse uh, 4 up there again of 18.4. Uh, and it says, And John took off the robe that was on him, and then he gave it to David, and his armor. Everybody say armor. armor. Well, that's kind of key. So the armor even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Okay, so, because sometimes that's part of it right there. They also do the exchange. Um, so I was thinking, you know, God says, I am your shield. In other words, you don't, you know, you don't, I'll be your shield, all right? Um, put uh, Ephesians 6 and 11 on the board, okay? Put on the whole arm. Why? Because it's yours. The armor of who? God's armor. He didn't say, you know, make sure you go out there and buy yourself a set of armor. And let's make sure it's good stuff. It's got to be pretty solid stuff because the enemy hits real hard. Um, you know, make sure it's, you know, you know, try to find what you can. You know, probably might want to avoid Walmart. Let's go to, um, you know, let's make sure we get maybe, you know, maybe go down the street there, that guy, that metalworks guy, and let's get him to build you something. Um, so, no, he said, what, put on the whole armor of God, God's armor. Listen, here's my armor. Put it on. Why? So that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on my armor. Come on. You know, you, you know you're in your own power, your own strength, can't get nowhere, but you know what? Let's today, we're going to cover all that with my stuff. Amen. 
Now, I bet God's armor probably looks pretty cool. Just a thought I'm having. You know, you know, it's, you ever notice like when you watch these shows, I mean, they could be the biggest pot-bellied guy underneath that armor, but, you know, you, that armor's got, man, the six-pack, man. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Chest, man. And they walk up, man, you're thinking, whoa. That guy must be mad. He pulls it off and looks like some weenie. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Yep. Right? Male pot belly. Uh, you know, but when he puts the armor on, that's right. Hallelujah. Everybody's going, yes. puts that helmet on, and, and then that sword, I could do damage. See, God says, you know, we don't want to use yours. <laughs> I'm just saying, all this is really dealing with covenant. <laughs> and so when you realize that this is all about covenant, you have every right to put that armor on, stand in who you are in Christ. Amen. amen. It doesn't matter what the devil tries to do. Praise God. You're, you're, I mean, you're loaded for bear, man. I mean, you got it. You're ready to go. Lock and load. Let's go. Come on. Why? Because God is with you. God is on your side. Hallelujah. God will not, uh, uh, you know, turn his back on you. Hallelujah. All right. Put, uh, where are we at? It's like Psalms. I think I got some verses out of Psalms, right? No, 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 I don't. No, I don't. That's, I forgot about this. How about the covenant meal? We can't forget about that. Everybody say covenant meal. Most of your, most your covenant uh, uh, coming together for covenants are also going to do a meal. Uh, so now you think about everything as far as the, uh, the scriptures. You got your Passover meal uh, out of Exodus. What was that all about? Well, it's all about blood covenant. So here comes the, come on, there was the offering, come on, and it was all, all of it. So there's a Passover meal. We know through uh, the Gospels, and without getting in, maybe pulling them all up, but with the Gospels and through 1 Corinthians, we talk about communion. What is that all about? Well, you know, I just, I don't know, you just drink this and eat this, and I guess that's what we do. What's it mean? Well, I don't know. You know, it's, it's just a little piece of bread and a little bit of grape juice or wine or whatever, depending on what trans, you know, where you where you go to church. <laughs> the point is, what does it represent? The body and the blood. And again, it's all about covenant. Amen. Body was bruised, broken, stripes on, laid on his back. Come on, somebody. Blood representing the new covenant. Come on, somebody. Right. Amen. See, the blood of the covenant. Amen. Okay, we uh, someday, and I don't know how, how it's all going to go down, but, you know, there's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And again, you, so you got from, from Passover to communion to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't know how that's all going to go down, but somewhere along the line, I'm going to ask for the potatoes. So, I mean, whatever. Yep. Point is, there's going to be a covenant meal. Yep. And that's going to be the ultimate covenant meal. Yep. Sitting with Him. Come on, somebody. And communing with Him. Now, however, but there's a covenant meal. There's always, you know, somewhere along the line, there's going to be food involved. And everybody shows up for food. You know, so I'm sure before every covenant contract that they say, we're going to have a meal. Oh, okay, we'll be there. Anyway, whatever. The point is, there's always a covenant meal. And then there's what, in most cases, there's going to be what they call uh, planning of a memorial uh, in the... Uh, 
the old covenant, again, there was the, you know, they put the blood on the posts and, and they did what they, from there on there was a day that was marked. There was a feast that was declared. What is that? The word even calls it a memorial, as a memorial to the covenant. This feast or this day is, rep- is now from there on is, is now uh, we now, uh, you know, come together at that feast and it represents this because it was done as a memorial to what God has done. There is uh, in a lot of places, a lot of, in fact, you see it through Scripture, uh, where they would take even stones or rocks and they would all, uh, they would all bring a rock and they'd, when something, uh, God showed Himself strong that that place, they'd all pile rocks. And so it said from every, every day from there on when somebody would walk by and see this pile of rocks, they'd say, what is that for? It would be for a memorial of what God had did right there from there on. There were times when they would plant a tree. Can anybody guess what tree got planted? There's a memorial tree. Give me Galatians 3. Put that on the board. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What tree are we talking about? The cross. The cross. Amen. Was a, in a sense, it is a memorial to what Jesus has done. Amen. Blood, amen, was shed. Amen. So, a memorial. Put uh, now we're at Psalms. Let's go put Psalms, uh, was it 105? He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. We haven't even come to that close to that yet. Verse eight or verse nine. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, verse 10, and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Put another one up. Let's get Psalms uh, 89. Amen. Verse 34, he said, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word which has gone out of my lips. My covenant, I will. Somebody say, well, I don't understand. How do these, uh, these Israelites, how do they, man, how do they, I mean, they just seem like things happen for them. It's because they believe for it. Why? Because they're in covenant. <laughs> Go tell an Israelite he's a poor man. That ain't going to happen. They don't buy it. You can think what you want to think, but as far as we're concerned, we're in covenant. They understand who their God is. I'm just telling you. So his covenant he will never break, nor alter a word has gone out of his lips. I think I don't know if I gave you this one, but uh, Psalms 111, he says that he is ever mindful of his covenant. Huh. Covenant. I'm reminded of uh, Joshua. 
uh, 9, and also I think it's in chapters 9 and chapters 10, uh, is it the, I think uh, Gibeonites, they had, uh, as uh, the Israelites are moving across, they've taken you know, Jericho and Ai and, and are moving along, and here comes this, this little group of men that made themselves look like they've been traveling forever. And they had old, they put old moldy bread in their sack and, and they had, you know, they had ripped and torn clothes and they, they were coming up to the Israelites and, and to Joshua and they said, you know, we've come from a long, long way away because we've heard of you and your God. And we want to make covenant with you because we want to serve the God that you serve. And the word says that Joshua did not consult God and went ahead and entered into covenant with him. And then it came out. They were the guys in the next town knowing the writing was on the wall. So the only way we can save our community is by lying about who we are and somehow get them to enter into covenant with us. Why? Because once we get into covenant with them, they won't take it. Doesn't stop there. Come to find out, because of all that, they had all these other cities now are wanting to take out the Gibeonites. And because of the covenant between Josh, well, the Israelites and the uh, Gibeonites, the Israelites now have to fight on behalf of that city. And get this, God said, do it, why? Because of the covenant. Even though He wasn't in agreement with Him doing it, but they already did it, but the covenant. So guess what happens? They're fighting and all the stuff's going on, and they still, uh, literally, Joshua commands the sun to stand still till they finish the fight. And the word said, ain't never been done before, ain't never been done since. God heeded to the voice of a man, amen, concerning the sun standing still, and all because of a covenant. Well, so God says, my covenant I will not break with you. I will not alter a word that's gone out of my mouth. Whatever you ask, I will do. I will be with you. Amen. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm on your side. Amen. You're the righteousness of God. You're an overcomer. Amen. We can go on and on about what the Scripture has to say about you and the promises that are offered to you. Amen. And we struggle with it when all along we have no business struggling with it because of the covenant. I thought I'd get a lot more movement out of you on this one. Because of the covenant. And so we sit and struggle about something we have no business struggling about. If we understood that, wait a minute, it's a covenant thing. He isn't going to turn his back on me. If he said he's with me, he's with me. If he said he'd never forsake me, he ain't going to forsake me. If he says, amen, that he would heal me, he'd heal me. If he said he'd deliver me, he'd deliver me. If he said that he'd provide, he'd provide. If he said he'd deliver, he'd deliver. He will do it. Amen. 
Praise God. Why? Because of the covenant. Praise God. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant will make you complete in all areas. So if we're not complete, well, we might as well get there. And we surely can because through the blood of the everlasting covenant, now it kind of makes more sense, don't it? The everlasting covenant, amen, we'll get, we can be made complete. So you don't have to sit here and let the enemy beat you up anymore. You don't have to let the enemy convince you that it can't happen for you. If God would do that for me, He'd do that for you. And if He'd do that for you, He'd do that for me. Come on, somebody. That's why He says, too, we're partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Because if He would do it for the saints and those saints of old, He'd do it for us. Praise God. Our patriarchs of faith, if they would happen for them. That's why we can imitate them through faith and patience, inherit the promise. Why? Because if God could do that for them, He could do that for us. Why? Because we're all part of that same covenant. Amen. And we don't have to sit back here and somehow analyze ourselves, sit and study some mirror and look at ourselves in the line of who we are as ourselves and then somehow limit God instead of saying, wait a minute. Why was God so down on the Israelites when they were in the wilderness? The Word says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. To come down to cover. They wouldn't believe it. The whole time He says... If I said I'd provide, I'd provide. If I said I'd, I'd, I'd you know, would give you food, I'd give you food. If I'd give you water, I'd give, if, I, if I'd take care, I'd take care of you. What are, what are you so upset about? All I want, just come and worship and I'll take care of it all. And they kept limiting God, limiting God, limiting God. And as a result of it, they keep wandering for 40 years. Amen. Well, I, I'm done with wandering. Anybody else? Amen. Done with that wandering. Amen. It's time, amen, to step up in who we are in Christ, grab hold of our rightful, uh, you know, our rightful covenant, praise God, uh, and be the people we're called to be, praise God, and fulfill what we're called to fulfill in Jesus' name. Anybody else with me? All right. Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. Appreciate you letting me kind of do this today, a little bit kind of a different approach to it, but I appreciate it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor once again. Thank you for what you've done and what you're doing and for what you're about to do in our lives. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. That blood of the everlasting covenant that's right now at work. Hallelujah. Working in our lives. Hallelujah. Making everything complete. Restoring what needs restored. Repairing what needs repaired. Replacing what needs replaced. Hallelujah. Doing what's necessary to bring us into the place that where we're called to be. Fulfilling our destiny. And for that we give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.